My name is Maya Berseneva. I'm a graduate student at Freie Universität Berlin, and I will speak about the phenomenon of vulnerability and its potential for transformation. In the philosophical discussion of the past years, vulnerability is presented as a disposition where someone, not something, is susceptible to harm, injury, failure, or misuse. It is a structural permeability and flexibility that shows in all aspects of a human existence. Vulnerability is regarded as providing a high explanatory power in numerous related concepts, such as autonomy, dignity, ethics of care, dependency, exploitation, and need. Scholars research, for example, how human life is conditioned by vulnerability in virtue of its embodiment and how vulnerability has normative relevance for moral theory. To be constituted as vulnerable applies to every living and embodied being. What I want to speak about here is specifically human vulnerability, which in the discourse is divided in three categories. Firstly, humans are vulnerable as embodied beings, living in potential danger of physical illness, injury, disability and death. Secondly, as social and affective beings, since they live under the threat of loss, neglect, grief, abuse, lack of care, ostracism and more. Finally, as socio-political beings, humans are regarded as potentially subject to exploitation, manipulation, oppression and political violence. However, vulnerability can also be regarded as openness, permeability and susceptibility. In this understanding, it is not reduced to injury. Furthermore, if permeability is regarded as a marker of subjectivity, it becomes possible to talk about vulnerability as a two-faced phenomenon, as I will do from now on. Vulnerability is an important notion in Judith Butler's political language. With its help, she provides a phenomenologically relevant observation about humans as trans-individual beings in the world. She focuses on bodily ontology and discovers body's precariousness and injurability to be decisive and determining factors of human existence. The body in her work is regarded not as a mere surface for social meanings, but as that which suffers, enjoys, and responds to the exteriority of the world. Butler finds that the body is a social phenomenon in its surface and in depth due to its exposedness to others. The body, as exposed, is vulnerable by definition, and a common human vulnerability emerges with life itself. Butler identifies vulnerability as a primary condition that nobody has the possibility to will away. In her analysis, she points out that if we were able to turn invincible, to erase vulnerability, we would cease to be human. She refers to vulnerability also as a condition of being laid bare, stressing in her writings again and again that human lives are precarious because fundamentally exposed to non-calculable events. In Butler's understanding, responsiveness to what happens is ultimately a function and effect of vulnerability 
of being open to a world that is not fully known or predictable. We are open towards an unknown life course. As an overriding notion, vulnerability is a latent condition of a general openness, an ever-present possibility of being touched, stirred up and affected. While we are constantly affected by things in our lives, some things get to us more, some events move us in a particular way. Ultimately, speaking with Butler, we can be undone by particular situations. Sometimes we experience ourselves as vulnerable, lost, broken and detached from life as we know it. However, being undone is not the only outcome of experienced vulnerability. I claim that vulnerability structures the subject's experience of the world and makes transformation possible. By stating this, I mean that vulnerability can make a subject a victim when violence is inflicted, but it also facilitates the capability to resist acrimony. It facilitates keeping oneself open to the world with its unpredictable events and allows remaining open to others. I was wondering whether Martin Heidegger says anything about vulnerability. He does not directly. However, his whole project of being and time can be described as a treatment of vulnerability, namely as human finitude. Heidegger's being is aware of its own possibility to be undone. The Dasein lives in a conscious struggle that is called anticipatory resoluteness. One looks forward to a possible way to be, to maintain a meaningful life that unravels towards death. Heidegger established the term angst, anxiety. Anxiety is tied to the awareness of the inevitable death. More precisely, we possess the knowledge of our own death. We anticipate it. We are always moving towards it. In other words, my life is always at issue and its roots are to be found within the awareness of mortality and finitude. I was born and am going through life being exposed to all sorts of potential damage since I do not know when and how my life will end while realizing that it could end at any moment. Anxiety is for Heidegger a disposition it does not arise as a result of some specific cause, but rather opens up the world to the one who is experiencing it in a distinctive way. Being anxious alienates me from the familiar world. I no longer am able to explain or own the particular elements of my existence. In this state of mind, Dasein finds itself face to face with the nothing of the possible impossibility of its existence, says Heidegger in Being and Time. However, the disposition of anxiety is not how most of us experience life usually. We are used to feeling secure enough, to being able to arrange ourselves in everyday situations. But sometimes we plunge into anxiety so strongly that the primary mode of our lives manifests as this anxiety. Events that are perceived as life-altering, I choose to call transformative events. Transformation 
is a process of changing or a marked change where something is converted into another qualitative state, form or appearance. Translated into Heidegger's ontology, transformative events are events in which the individuation of a life or self or a Dasein is taking place. If an event affects me in an unusual way and disorients me, I cannot seek universal advice. Instead, I encounter myself in my own most possibilities, the most radical one of which is my own death. In Heidegger's philosophy, as I reconcile with these own most possibilities, I own them as mine. The difficult task of owning an exceptional situation that concerns me deeply instead of seeking a one-fits-all solution This is how the concept of limit situations developed by Carl Jaspers can be characterized. Jaspers explains that humans cannot live otherwise than already involved in situations. According to his formula, a situation is a reality related to a meaning. This meaning-bearing reality is twofold, mental and physical and specific. It bears an advantage, damage, chance or impediment for a subject's existence. Among all situations, there are special cases where the limits that are common for all persons become explicit, the limits against which the supposed wholeness and unity of Dasein shatters. Situations become limit situations if they transform from simple generalities into distressing experiences for the, for the individual. Interestingly, we can already anticipate limit situations without actually experiencing them yet, says Jaspers. Humans are dealing with a recurring lack of satisfaction. They know a restlessness, a disquiet about their existence. Broadly speaking, we often sense that something does not add up in life. Consequently, Jaspers says that the precondition of limit situations is the fundamental antinomical structure of Dasein, in those contradictions of life that one cannot remove and which in the end one must simply live with. He refers to the fundamental subject-object split we have to co come to terms with. Jaspers differentiates five types of limit situations, of which the first is to always necessarily be in a situation. The following four encompass struggle, death, contingency, and guilt. While the first limit situation apparently expresses the inescapability of our being in the world, the necessity to be in time, specific place, and being embodied in this specific body, the second type of limit situation, struggle, is any situation where the material, mental and emotional existence is taking place. The third type of limit situation, death, is an event that is not communicable, a secret, something entirely lonely in the human being. Contingency, on the other hand, is an eerie factuality. We experience chance as the ultimate and at the same time, we are aware of necessity and coherence in the world. Finally, guilt as the ethical limit situation is encompassing aspects in human life 
where a reflexive, solitary religiousness of thought, for instance, as analyzed by Kierkegaard, is taking place. Jaspers emphasizes that thanks to limit situation, the antinomic basic st structure of Dasein comes to light. In this respect, they have an uncovering, he uses the German word Freilegung, character. Observed concretely, limit situations shatter the world of an individual as it was known to her. The author illustrates this with the image in every limit situation, the rug is, so to speak, yanked from under my feet. The individual reactions to the limit situation vary and involve resignation being destroyed right up to mental illnesses that can result from confrontation with limit situations. Jasper states in the illumination of existence that this type of situations is not overseeable. In our Dasein, we cannot see anything more beyond them. They are like a wall that we run up against, a wall against which we fail. We are also unable to overcome them via rational strategies, rather only through a totally other activity, which the author calls the becoming of the possible existence in ourselves. We become ourselves, when we enter the limit situation with open eyes. Thus, the philosopher argues that it is possible to win new strength through antinomy. His expression with open eyes could mean, in other words, that provided the individual resists solidification and remains within her porosity, flexibility and vulnerability, she will develop the capability to find a way to see and live beyond the limit of the wall that rises before her. But these are vague words. We are left wondering, how is a withstanding possible? Is there any guideline, any advice to follow? Jaspers turned to the philosophy of Kierkegaard, who wisely addressed to the human finiteness. He stated that a human being is becoming a subject by actively thinking about his own existence and about death. Similarly, Jaspers points out that the individual's quarrel with the unavoidable actualities of limit situations equals the individual's subjectification and, in a way, liberation from the impasse of a limit situation. The person always stands before a choice to either accept the opportunity or to try and avoid it, whether it is through denial, rat rationalization, generalization or repression. Jaspers warns, therefore, against every premature effort in trying to make the limit situation vanish. Rather, it demands its demand lies in the withstanding of the antinomic pressure, but there is no promise for anything like success. The acceptance and the withstanding of a limit situation can also lead to paralysis, which can block responsible action if an existential decision, a seizing of existence, fails. There is no guarantee that I won't be broken if I do not avoid the limit situation. It needs to be stressed that withstanding of the antinomic pressure is a highly individual process, 
a process that forms a unique selfhood. Therefore, general advice is not available. If it was, lives could be condensed under something universal and sub subjectivity would be lost. Accordingly, Jaspers denies throughout his project that a rational mind is able to surmount limit situations or that they can be conquered by formulas that could be applied. Instead, he speaks about the vital impulse and ascribes to it the power to overcome limit situations. The vital impulse, or the alive person, as he puts it, has the ability to create an affirmative awareness, a stability, a meaning, a sense of necessity, and strength for specific life situations. A characteristic of a human existence is that it is fundamentally exposed. But where is openness, there is also the potentiality of closedness. And analogously, where there is exposure, there is also the possibility or necessity of protection. I argue that this interplay is exemplified by vulnerability as a double-faced condition. If I am characterized by inclusionary and exclusionary forces, I am able to gain insight into them and to navigate them. The vulnerable structure of an embodied life is not static but dynamic. It is not facticity but transcendence and development, an organic unfolding in time. Vulnerability has an ambiguous, dynamic, twofold nature, while being coiled up within me and pointing inside as my within-me-living feature, it also bends outside towards my life projects and aspirations and links me with others. The intensity of life experiences can either be enhanced or curbed down by vulnerability and the way I live through situations is influenced by the extent I allow myself to openly face them. What can we take from philosophers like Butler and Jaspers for this year, the year of unpredictability, fear and loss caused by the pandemic and the preventive me measures that alienate us from our previous way of life? Surely, the current situation is a limit situation for the majority of the world population. I suggest that this account is a helpful tool to come to terms with the overwhelmingly fast changes we have to face. In limit situations, the requirement is not to spinelessly accept the event, not to search for harmonious calm. What Jaspers calls for is not to plainly approve or deny a situation that shows me my limits, but to face up to the situation. And this facing up, as I think he promises, will anchor and entrench me in myself. I want to suggest that Jaspers argues in favor of recognized and permitted vulnerability. At one point, he remembers the old Latin phrase amor fati, the love of one's fate, in which we can own the particular. Amor fati as a concept is known from Nietzsche's philosophy, who admired the person who is capable of uncompromising acceptance of reality per se. This concept clashes with the ideal of wholeness, the idea that Dasein needs to be in accord with a universal correctness or obey 
on objective truth, but also with the illusion that a human life could ever escape struggle. Robert Frost famously stated, I had a lover's quarrel with the world. With these words he expressed the never easy battle, only ending with physical life itself. This struggle substantially concerns the human condition of vulnerability. It is because our body is soft and attackable and our being in the world is structured as vulnerable and porous, life events concern us deeply. In compelling me to deal with my fears and vulnerabilities as part of who I am, lay the transformative power of vulnerability. Elodie Bublil makes the point that emphasizes vulnerability's versatility. She states that vulnerability describes the very structure of, sub of subjectivity, its transcendental condition. It is never static or exhaustively definable. It makes transformation possible and it structures the subject's experience of the world. This means that as capacity to being exposed, vulnerability can lead to victimization but also holds the op option of keeping oneself open to others, to social change and to self-transformation. In precarious life, Butler poses the critical claim that vulnerability can and must be turned into strength, into a resource. She says that suffering, experience of humility, vulnerability, impressionability and dependence can move us beyond and against the vocation of the paranoid victim. I argue that acknowledging my own vulnerability and enduring this condition as a conscious effort to remain affirmative of the other's otherness entails a chance for encountering the other without violence. It means creating space and possibilities for consideration and attention for the other. Finally, the chance of self-improvement lies in vulnerability as permitted openness and in sometimes necessary weaver of protection. Protection. Protection.